Cusick. Not just a word, a movement, a mindset, and a podcast. Welcome to Fusick. All right, welcome everybody to the Fusick podcast. I am your co-host with always accompanied by the one and only Mr. TJ McGinnis. What's going on, bub? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Just uh, enjoying the dry... Um, what I call cool Chicago summer. Um, yeah, it was in the seventies last week. It's might might break in the eighties this week, and it's nice up here right now. It's nice for sure. A lot different than Alabama, but I, I know the the winter storms are coming, and they're not too far away. So <laughs> trying to enjoy being able to breathe outside as long as possible. I hear you, man. I hear you. That's awesome. That's good. It's been uh, rainy and cloudy here in the Florida area. Oh. Well, that's so, no fun. Yep, I've had to uh, use my. Uh, we have a crawl space because our home is 1941, and back then they built these big crawl spaces. I have to keep pumping out uh, water from my crawl space because we're close to the river and the flooding zones. So I constantly have a hose stuck out there. And um, last last season for the for the hurricane, I I wasn't prepared, so I'm out there in a hurricane with uh, sandals on. This year, I'm LL Bean certified. I got pants, jacket, boots. You got some waders. You got some waders. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready this time. Little boy. Ready this time. Bring it on. Yep. Love yep. it. Love it. Well, let's hope. Hope we don't have any though. But yeah. if we do, I'm ready. Who do we have today, Craig? We have Mr. Brian Lloyd. Um, Boom. I, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Brian, and, and then we'll obviously get him on here. Brian is. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I know it's multi, three-time ADM of the year in the whole country for Colonial, uh, basically as a partnership with Casey out there and just growing a tremendous organization in the Northern California market. Um, somebody I've gotten to know over the past few years and respect highly, um, and, and somebody who I will say in a good way is one of the most intense uh, individuals and competitors I've ever known, and, and I'll take that on my team all day. So, Brian, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Craig. Thank you. Um, you guys talking about being able to breathe out in Chicago with the nice weather. We got all these fires going on in Northern California. It's a little harder out here. Yeah, man. How is that, or how close That's is that to y'all? There's so many of them that it, it feel like it, whatever direction you go, um, there's one not too far away, but we're couple hours away from the closest one, I believe. Are you from California? Born and raised. Brian, where are you? So has this always been an issue for you guys? I feel like the it last... seems to be getting a little worse? I feel like the last couple of years it's gotten worse, and I don't know yeah. what that's really from. They Some people try to say right. the drought. Other people, I think, are lighting these things on fire, but who knows? Yeah. It's, it's, it's scary, man. I, I saw a uh, documentary on these guys out in uh, the forest fire folks out in Northern California... And I believe there's a documentary about that, and I watched a few of the episodes. It's pretty crazy what these guys do. Yeah, um, so. my wife's cousin is a firefighter up in near the Chico area, so he battles some of the ones that, that happen in really uh, up northern California. And, and they're out there for weeks at a time sometimes. They come back looking like mountain men. Yeah, man, that's, that's uh, a lot of respect for them. Congratulations on being a dad. Thank you. Life-changing. That's um, awesome. Best part yes. of my day is coming home, <laughs> seeing that little guy smile. Uh, he's yeah, a little over three months old now, and it's been uh, awesome. It's been a whole lot of fun. 
That's great, man. That's great, well, uh, you know, obviously this is the the Fusic podcast, and I know that you have a, a great story and have overcome a lot. And, and Fusic, for everybody, if it's your first time listening, stands for for everyone who said I couldn't. And um, I know that, um, Brian, just like me, you and TJ, you always have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to succeed and, uh, and compete. And, you know, and we like that and can definitely relate to that. And so I wanted to turn it over to you today, buddy, and just let you kind of take and, and tell, first off, a little bit about yourself and then also tell your FUSIC story and, and what FUSIC means to you. So the floor is yours. Gotcha. Um, obviously, my name is Brian. I've been with Colonial Life for almost six years in September. Um, my FUSIC story, I believe, started really when I was about five years old. I really idolized my brother and followed him around a lot when I was a little kid and he played baseball like most kids do and uh, I went out for tryouts when I was five and my dad told me before I got out of the car he said hey so there's a select number that every team gets of of good players there's only so many good players out here and nobody knows you because obviously you're five and you've not played before so go out there and don't catch a ball swing and miss you know don't throw it very good he knew I was a little bit of an athlete when I was young. He said, because every team gets two or three good players, and if they don't know that you're good, that your team will get maybe three or four and probably be the best out there. So I think my competitive spirit started from that day. Um, no matter what it was that I was trying to do, I always wanted to be the best. I always wanted to win. And uh, didn't always take losing so well, uh, as Craig alluded to, you know, the chip on your shoulder. Uh, I always tried to find you know, whatever it was that I needed to do to, to be the best at whatever it was that I was trying to do, except for school. Um, school was not a top priority for me when I was a kid. And, you know, I wish I would have taken it a little bit more seriously, but I did what I had to do to be able to go out and play, um, you know, whatever sport was, um, out there for that time of the year. That was my focus. I just wanted to get out there and run around and and play. And a lot of the things that, kind of shaped who I was with, you know, I wasn't the biggest kid when I was growing up, but I was definitely uh, active and constantly trying to play travel ball, doing all those type of sports and having people say, Oh, you're not good enough to be on that team. Or, you know, you're not, you're not, your arm isn't strong enough to play shortstop or whatever the, you know, the statement was, I used it as, as fuel. You know, I think having a chip on your shoulder, as long as it's channeled in the right way is useful. Um, We've had success, as, as Craig alluded to earlier. Um, Craig, you stated three. I don't want to overstate anything. We have not won three. We've got two. But um, this year, we're always, this year. We're, always striving. <laughs> we're always striving to be the best. Um, but I, we, we try to channel that. And you know, I, always, I always feel like you have to prove yourself over and over again. And whether that's right or wrong, it's kind of the way I've always approached my life. So Awesome. So, so did you listen to your dad? Oh yeah, when he absolutely. when he told you to yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I didn't catch one, swung and missed at everything off of a tee, um, <laughs> barely threw the ball. <laughs> how much did that actually have to hurt? Like how much did that actually hurt though? Like well, knowing that people were yeah, watching you uh, do that. Well, at the time, I mean, it's the first time I've ever been in, in, in that kind of situation. I don't really vividly remember it, but I tell you, I never did it again. No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm 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 trying to go back and to think about. That, and um, I understand his his uh, kind of get where he's coming from, but I'm like, geez, I 
doesn't. Well, first of all, did, did you guys get a good team? That was out of all the years I played Little League ball in my hometown before I started playing the travel ball outside. That was the only team I ever had that we actually won. <laughs> well, there you go. Your dad I, was I'm, old I'm not kidding. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was a little, a little weird. Uh, we didn't start. I didn't start actually having success with um, victory. And like I said in the beginning, I didn't really elaborate on it. But man, I did not take losing well when I was a little kid. Yeah. It was not not something I was okay with, man. I get in arguments with my teammates and didn't have a lot of friends in those teams if they weren't any good and me and them weren't friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Brian, you know we're you know the more you and I get to know each other, the more I feel like we're alike on yeah. so many so many levels. And one or a couple things here. One, you like me hate losing way more than you, you like to win. the The fear of losing drives me so much more than the thrill of winning. And um, you know, I, I, that that's something that is just different. That's a question that I always like to ask when I'm interviewing somebody is, you know, what gets your blood flowing more? Is it winning or losing? And it doesn't make one way right or wrong. It just, you know, people know how to motivate us if, if they put a challenge out there for us. And you feel like someone's challenging because we, we don't want to lose, right? And we'll do everything possible not to lose and, and try to win. So uh, I love that. And I, and I think that it's good for people to have that perspective on themselves and mainly though in a leadership position you've got to know what drives each individual team member because everybody's different right and and you've got to understand what drives them to be able to do what comments to say how to motivate them how to push them and, and understanding that about your team is so important and then secondly you talked about you know the priority of your time I was the same way when it came to school in college you know we needed a 2.5 to play baseball and I, I think I graduated with a 2.6 and it was just one of those things where I knew exactly what I needed to do and it was never a priority of mine to do that because I had so many other priorities and a lot of times not the right priorities in college but you know now what we do in our business is so important to that too if if we're talking about building a territory or building a team we know that there's certain fundamentals that we need to do that need to take priority over other things right and the ability to be able to be disciplined and choose those priorities is how you become successful right and you can say these are my priorities all day, but if your time and your action and your focus don't follow what your priorities are, then you're not going to be successful in what, the way you want to, right? You're gonna, you're never going to gain the momentum in the right direction that you're trying to do. It'll always be like you're a roller coaster, and I've talked about this before too. One thing that I know that the reason why you and Casey are, are so successful and always growing is because you keep your eye on the activity that becomes successful. You always are doing what you need to do to grow the area of business that you want to grow. you got to set a goal out there and then you focus on the activity. And a lot of times in sales, people say it's got these ups and downs, which it does, right? But you know, I always ask the question around, where does a roller coaster always end up? And it's right back where it started, right? So roller coasters are high thrilling, they're fun, they're exhilarating. There's a lot of things that happen in a roller coaster ride, right? You go up and down, you twist, you turn, a lot like sales. But you always end up right back where you started. What I always suggest people do, and this is something I see a lot with you, is is like a tanker ship going through the ocean. You're going to get up a little bit, you're going to get down a little bit, but you're always going to be moving forward. And and that's something you got to continue to have, man. And, and that's something I've seen you grow a lot over the last few years with just continuing to not get so high, not get so low, but you continuously move forward. Because three or four years ago, man, you would call me and you'd be ready to rip someone's head off mm-hmm. because somebody said one thing, right? <laughs> you know. And now, well, most now of the time, it was one person that was saying that right. one thing. Exactly. I really appreciate exactly. the leadership around that <laughs> um, person, not to be named, but he knows who he is. Um, 
Yeah, and Craig, I always talk whenever anybody asks me about my story, like like we're having this conversation now. It almost always goes back to sports and how that taught me how to act. You know, um, talked a little bit about when I was a kid, moving into the latter stages of my baseball career, which um, went through college. You know, when I was in high school, you little things you talk about channeling your energy and, and focusing on things that you can use as motivation. You know, I remember my junior year playing in a Memorial Day tournament and having a successful tournament. Hit a couple home runs, like eight for fifteen, whatever it was. I remember going back to my JC or my high school coach, and him telling me, "Ah, oh, you'll go back to two twenty where you belong." And I just was like, "What? Whoa!" So I used that, and then after my senior year, I went and played for a guy named John Quintel, um, great coach, junior college coach, um, like a second father to me, and. I remember telling that same coach in high school, you know, I'm going to go play at Skyline Junior College because you can't go there. They, they rake. You can't hit there. I was like, okay. So it was something that every day that I would go to the gym or go to work or whatever it was, I always had that in my mind. Oh, you can't do that. You're not, you're not good enough to do that. Well, you know, you, you, I go through and I had another coach um, in college. And the things that maybe made him say that, I'm not going to say that I'm innocent. I might have, I might have, been a hard person to coach or a hard uh, because I was so competitive and I always wanted to win and I always wanted to play. He didn't necessarily know how to, to work with me. The, the coach that I had my junior year of college was the same way. You know, I had a lot of run-ins with him, not going to get into the details of it, but you know, there was some things that at the end of the day, I look back at and say, that's not how you treat someone. That's not, if you're a leader, you're, you shouldn't have the, the kind of conversations or you shouldn't act the way that I was treated and then if I equate that into every day that in every situation that happens to me, how do I learn and how do I apply that to my life? And I hope that I'm channeling those things that I saw as, as poor leadership when I was in high school and when I was in college into understanding that I have to treat people in different situations differently because of their sensibilities or just because they're in different roles and they have different expectations. You know, it's something that we've struggled with at times over the years whether it be the way I'm treating my, um, you know, they're not my reps, the people that I help support or the way that I've been treated by the leadership above me, you know, it's just trying to do what's best and what's right for everybody in the situation because it does come full circle. You know, if if you're in in whatever you're in long enough, you'll be the person that's being taught and you'll be the one that's teaching. It's just where are you at and how do you apply yourself and give I don't know, your best self to whoever you're helping. Right. Hey, Brian, a couple quick questions around that. The, the two coaches that um, – the high school coach and your junior coach, uh, junior year coach uh, in college, is that how they acted towards everybody or, or, um, or is that – or they, were they different around you? And did they – you think maybe they thought that that's what they needed to do to motivate you? But they so they, you, you answered it correctly the, the, uh, about they didn't know how to lead me, but yeah, the first the high school coach, you just you know everybody has their that coach. Just in my opinion, yeah, you know, yeah. it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, the college coach that I had my junior year definitely didn't treat other players like that. He played favorites for sure, and you know, looking back on some of the things that had happened. You know, I'm I'm obviously a confident person. I carry myself in a way that I expect to win. Um, I try not to come off as arrogant or, or 
um, cocky or anything like that, but I definitely walk around with a little bit of confidence. And I remember when I first got to Nevada, um, I remember having a conversation. It's a little thing that you pick up later on in life, too, that you remember about conversations. I remember running into, we had a, a, a first baseman that was a all-American freshman, and you know he was the man on campus. And he, I had to go to tryouts because I had transferred from another school at, the, um, at Nevada. And I remember him going, hey, did you make the team? I said, oh, yeah. And I don't know if it came off the wrong way, but me and that kid never got along, ever. And he was on, like, a captain's council. So I feel like that kind of hurt my uh, my chances with the head coach just because I think the first impression that he got was um, the wrong one of who I was. And my ju- junior college coach, the one that I had – that I said is like a second father to me, he understood all you had to do is take the game away from me just a little bit and I do whatever. I'll run through brick walls for people. And I don't think the, the guy at Nevada really understood how to, how to deal with me, but I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a choir boy by any means. You know, I, I told you I didn't take <laughs> losing very well. So once I didn't get the job, yeah. you know, maybe my attitude changed a little bit, but it all started in a negative place. So that didn't help anything out. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of things you learn from that, though. Yeah, and, and you know, having, you learn and you grow and you mature. And having conversations with with folks with like Craig, even though you know he's he's been with Colonial a little bit longer, he's been doing what we do for a little bit longer, but he's still a few years younger than me. To me, it really didn't matter who I was turning to as far as age or anything like that. If I saw somebody or if I knew somebody could help me, I was always very receptive to that person. So, you know, I think finding a leader that you can trust and actually believe that they can guide you is important too. Because, yes. you know, if you look at someone that is below you on a leadership ladder and you, you may be a six or seven, if they're a four or five, you can't follow them. You can't, it's just not possible. So I think to answer your question in a really long way, I don't think he was um, able to. Yeah, that's the, the the law of the lid, the John C. Maxwell. I like that. Hey, uh, Brian, how how did you get with Colonial? So walk us through that a little. So just like everybody what, else, what brought you on? Just like everybody yeah. else, I kind of fell backwards into insurance. I don't know how many people have actually signed up to do insurance. Um, having said, I went to elementary school knowing that I was going to be an insurance salesperson. Um, I got done with school um, and. Until I was 22 years old and somebody took my jersey away from me, I always thought I was going to play professional baseball. And then reality sunk in that I wasn't going to. My dad owned a construction company. I was working for him about a year after school was out and when I graduated. And he basically came to me and said, you got a degree. I don't want you swinging a hammer the rest of your life. You have three months to get a job or I'm firing you. So I said, um, Okay. <laughs> Uh, the girl I was dating at the time, her mom was very successful in sales, still is, and she suggested I put my resume online and try to get a sales job. So I said, okay, she's like, you're competitive. Um, it's the right type of career for you. Put it online. I interviewed with three insurance companies, Colonial Life. Um, everybody there was about my age. They all seemed to be successful, and quite literally the line that closed me was, you can make six figures in two years if you work hard. I knew I could work hard. So I said, "Okay, let's give it a shot." Nice. Well, let's touch on let's t- let's touch on that real quick. What you you know, Craig, you know, talked about the successes that you had. What are uh, two or three 
intangibles, let's let's start with that, that you have that has helped you be successful? And then what are two or three skill sets that you've had to learn to help you be successful and be uh, have produced a, a, a lot of different agents and sales teams who are successful and then which in turn has helped you become successful in this business? Just more than anything else, just I, I always had the ability to do the activity and I had the ability to work with people to help them do that activity, to kind of motivate them through their job. You know, but Brian, that's Perfect. that's so rare. That's what people yeah. understand. Is my, my dad's mm-hmm. hit on this with me before. You know, one thing that another thing we have in common that I think that is so important is sometimes when you're leading people or you're a parent or or, or whatever it is, sometimes it's okay to, to you don't have to absolutely know what the person needs or what the person's supposed to do, but showing them what not to do and telling them what not to do is is just as valuable. You've you've given very a lot of examples on leaders that taught you what not to do and you knew and you were motivated by saying hey i'm not going to lead that way because i know that's not the way i wanted to be leaded right but not only that like my dad made me be a janitor you know work construction do landscaping do stuff like that and nothing's wrong with any of those things right there right but he knew you know those were kind of activities that he did he works in a printing shop still has for you know 30 something years and and he knew that that's not the life that I wanted for forever. And he said, I'm going to show you the things that I, I know you don't want to do forever. And, and that way, you can go out and make the choices on the things that you do want to do. And, and he knew how to motivate me because he was my dad, right? So he knew I, I would get in those situations and go, this is not what I want, right? And this is this is not who I am. And again, nothing wrong with those things at all. There's a, you know, My dad's good as it gets, and he's he does that, and that's that's okay for him. But he knew I was I thought differently about it. And, you know, that's something as leaders, too, we can when people start to go down a, a path with colonial or whatever business it is, it's our job to let them know, hey, these are the things that I failed at when I was there. And you can't do that unless you you actually did it. Right. And so going out there and being in the now and leading from the front and, and doing those type of things is so important. So I would encourage you to never lose sight of that, Brian. Always know, you know, hey what's the ways that I don't want to be treated? Make sure that you don't treat your team that way just like you do. I think that's highly important and just as important as knowing, hey, this is how I want to be treated, so I want to be motivated to make sure you do that too. So all very, yeah, very that, good points for sure. The the uh, Your conversations around uh, being able to deal with failure is so important. Uh, you know, I, I like to tell people uh, I'm in – the role I am today because I was I learned how to set appointments to be comfortable with no's, rejection, learn how to run appointments, learn how to close business, learn how to set up proper working conditions, uh, learned how to en- uh, enroll, and then learned how to teach people how to do all those things and, and simple, simple way of doing it. And I, and I feel like that's the toughest part is sometimes people come into this business and they just, they want to, they want to start with all the products and learning all the things and all the classroom training. Well, no, you just got to get up there and get to the plate and swing the bat. You know what I mean? And go for it. And uh, that's the difference. Uh, and I, I think that's big a part of your success, my friend, is you were able to just run and, run and gun and just do it. And then from there, you, your team of people care about you because you're all heart. And they know you, they know you care about them. And they see you out there running and gunning, so they're like, okay, well, if Brian's out there making calls and meeting with brokers, meeting with clients, you know what? I better do it as well instead of just sitting in your office. So, uh, and you mentioned, uh, so a skill set that you had to learn, closing and the pitch and the selling, 
Can you elaborate that a little bit more on what, uh, because I think that's a part of it too with listeners sometimes, uh, Brian, they think that you, you were all talent from the get go that, that, you know, you, you 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 came in. I'm not saying you in general, but people look at stats and they think, well, man, Brian. They see you at conference. You're 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 uh, you know you're a nice guy. You you'll talk to anybody. Uh, but there's some skill sets you've had to learn. Uh, in closing, you know, touch on touch on how you how you were able to to uh, to get better at closing. Uh, bringing value, understanding all of the points that Colonial has uh, in our tool belt if you will, um, and putting those tools to work and bringing value to our customers. You know, it, it takes it takes a lot of time to learn how to listen when you're in these meetings because they'll tell you what they need. They'll tell you, you know, what to sell on. You just have to be good enough to understand that I can't sell on 200 things. I got to sell on two or three things, narrow this thing down, and then, um, you know, focus on those. But the biggest thing I'll tell you, uh, was uh, back up to when you asked me, you know, what are the intangibles? Realizing that what are my what are my skill sets and what are the things I'm not good at? When I first started, we were doing everything very similar to some of our competitors in the market, where we're opening the account, we're building the account, we're doing the group meetings, we're doing the enrollments, we're doing the back office. That didn't work for us because I wasn't good at those other things. Benefits counseling is literally the worst thing that I can do at Colonial Life. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. I don't want to sit in a place the whole time. But when we found, I'll tell you, there's there's a point. You can look at our numbers. My first three quarters as an ADM, we did like 35000 We did like 42000 We did 250000 Obviously, when we hit 250000 is when we went real specialized. It was as soon as I started sending benefits counselors out to sit with folks and understanding, hey, these people have a skill set that I don't. And I need to put them in a position to succeed. And then that way it frees me up to put myself in a position to succeed, to do the things that I was good at. Brian, when you go back and you, and you look at any organization that has failed or any organization that is struggling, 99% of the time there is the wrong people in the wrong roles, right? You don't have the right people in the right roles. And when we look back at this, if you were to put us three and made us all benefit counselors, we would all figure out how to do it but none of us would be passionate about it because it's not our thing right and and none of us would want to do this long term because we weren't passionate about it and when us in a leadership position and for anybody that's listening that's in a leadership position you've got to figure out what your team what not only is motivated by but what they're passionate about right and you've got to put them in the roles that are going to help them you know be the most passionate they can be because that's what's going to last a long time and you know and money never leads it always follows and so you've got to get people to where they're excited they want to be in that role they're competitive in that role they're passionate about it and they and they understand the value that they're bringing and that their role brings to the overall goal of the team and and that's something i think that any leader that's any organization that's doing well is is so good at you've got to continuously bring people into the right roles and make sure that they understand the value that they're bringing to the overall goal of the team so don't ever lose sight of that too man hey and tj tj you asked how i got better at closing too when i when we started doing things that were basically we built a system and then we just worked that system and it became a lot easier to explain to someone sitting across the table that doesn't know me that just met me that they can trust that my team's going to do what I say they're going to do. My team is going to bring value to their employees, and they're not going to have any issues. 
most of the time when we're rolling our competitor, it's because they've had issues. Most of the time you, right. when you lose a group, it's because they've had issues. So if you put a system in place and you know where there could be issues and you do everything you can to alleviate those issues, it, it the persistency goes up. The water cooler sales, as we call them, go up. You know, the first year yep. you're going to get a certain amount of people that buy. The second year, if you treated those people that already bought well, they file claims, they have a good experience. People that may have been a little skeptical got burned in the past are more likely to listen and buy the next year. So you end up work uh, having better rework. The closing became easier because we went role specialized and because we found people that could support us in certain areas where Casey and I were not good at. That's good. That's awesome. That's, that's what it's that's all about, The man. line of put the pressure on the systems, not yourself. That's right. So, Brian, as we're rounding third here, um, Brian, what is advice that you would give yourself, a 22-year-old Brian Lloyd? Uh, back it up a little bit further, and I'd go back to when I was a kid and uh, had a conversation with my brother when I was in fifth or sixth grade. Um, just struggling a little bit in school, and he introduced me to this thing called Cliff Notes. And he said, you don't even have to read the book to get a C. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah, you could just look at these things uh, online. You know, the internet was, was big then. Uh, yep. And you could figure out how to get your passing grade without reading the book. And it wasn't about the book or about the subject that I needed to learn. It was about learning how to learn, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you get into to our business, and there's, it's always changing. Nothing is the same. And it took a while for me to really understand and become a student of the game, student of our business. Yeah. And if I would have had that that skill set when I was a kid, it might have made the transition a little easier. Because yeah, Craig, you've talked about the the success that we've had, but and it's not all roses, you know. It's not all right um, celebrations. There's Never been a is. lot of hard work, and there's been a lot of failure. You know, we've oh man. There's a lot of things that could have gone better, even though they they went great. And a lot of that had to do with trial and error and not being a student in the game when we first started, if you will. So the 10-year-old self, be a little bit better student because it's going to help you out in whatever walk of life you decide to take. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Are you are you going to push that with your son? Oh, Make sure not, that they don't. He's, yeah, he's not getting um, two six in playing sports. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm the same. Sorry, I'm the same sorry. way. I uh, I actually watched an article. Oh, not an article. I watched a uh, an interview with Derek Jeter, uh, and uh, I think it was Joe Buck. And Derek Jeter's parents made him and his sister sign a uh, character agreement, starting at the age of ten or twelve. And it was all these things about keeping school up, being not being a bully. You know being great with the community, all these things. And if they missed one of those criterias, then there was no baseball or no other sports for him. And But it was a, it was, it was a character agreement, which I like. And I think there's something to be said. I, I was the same way. My parents were both school teachers, but I didn't. Schooling was important to me, and I developed a lot of bad habits. And I think for the, a big part of the success, probably with all three of us here, is we, we had to recreate a certain behaviors in our mind. In our, and we had to just learn it, learn it, learn it, learn it time and time again. Um, so uh, it's, uh, it's important to do. So I like that, not to develop. It's no, outstanding, bro. Yeah. 
Awesome, man. Is there anything left you'd want to? Great job, buddy. Yeah, anything left you want to let the listeners know about? You know, if I can give anybody any advice, and especially in our industry because of the 1099 status and being, you know, in business for yourself, find someone that you can uh, learn from and work with to show you the way. Don't reinvent the wheel. There's no reason to do that. Um, people have already forged a path in this career and um, just find what they did to become successful and try to emulate it to the best of your ability. Awesome. Boom. You're the man, buddy. Love that. You are the so, man. So true. Brian, great job. Thank you for your time, man. And uh, and we just appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. Thanks again, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, we'll guys. see you soon. Fusic, a podcast for everyone who said I couldn't. <laughs>